Checkpoint. Hello and welcome to Checkpoint with George Diaz, a gaming interview podcast where I ask my special guests about a game they like. I'm your host, George Diaz, and with me today is Joel Holland. Joel, care to introduce yourself? Uh, Yeah, hi, I'm Joel Holland. I am a recent college grad with a game design degree. Uh, I'm not working in the industry yet. I'm also a podcaster in my spare time on my own show, the uh, the Literal Cat Podcast, How to Make a Literal Cat in Your Favorite RPG, where we put cats as player characters in games that aren't supposed to have cats as player characters. I'll be sure to uh, put a link to that in the episode description. Oh, thanks. Today is Thursday, December 1st, 2022. And this is part one of the Checkpoints Holiday Special. We got two regular episodes coming out this month where I talk to people about their favorite games that take place either during the holidays or during the winter season. And one bonus episode about people's experiences with gaming during the holidays. If you have a uh, wholesome holiday memory you want to share with the show, you can do so by sending an email to checkpointspodcasttm. That's uh, 1T for podcast, 1T for TM at gmail.com with holiday special somewhere in the subject line. Please include pronouns. Otherwise, I will be using they, them as a default. If you want to leave an anonymous submission for whatever reason, then make sure you include that in the email so I don't disclose your name. Just before we get into this blast from the past, let's talk about you a bit. Uh, Joel, what's uh, your gaming background? Well, uh, I've been uh, playing video games for a pretty long time. Uh, let's see, back in, I want to say 2002, me and my brother, uh, saved up enough money to get a PS1. Of course, by that point, PS2s were already out, so you couldn't really find games most places. So I think maybe we had, like, a bowling game and a dirt bike racing game, but other than that, the only games that we played were things that my parents found at Blockbuster, which was still open. Uh, so we didn't get to keep those, and I couldn't tell you what any of them were. I think there may have been some Shrek game, but beyond that... What's the earliest game that you can remember the title of? The earliest game that I had that I can remember the title of? Hmm. I think that's gonna have to be Pokemon Emerald. I played a ton of games... Nope, nope. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, no, I played, uh, Pac-Man World on the PS1, actually. There was a series of uh, platforming games starring Pac-Man. Oh my god. They were, they were interesting. Uh, I'm fairly certain my, my parents rented Pac-Man World for the PS1, and then when my aunt and uncle gave us a GameCube for Christmas one year, uh, after the GameCube was, uh, you know, in the GameCube's dying days, I think the Wii came out a year later. <laughs> But, um, they get, so that we, we received the, uh, used GameCube as a gift from them one year, and one of the games that I can remember having on that early on was Pac-Man World 2. Uh, now in the meantime, I also, the only brand new console I think I ever had as a child was a Nintendo DS, and I don't mean, like, uh, the DS lights or the DSIs or anything like that. I mean, like, the actual brick-shaped original model DS. Oh, God, the DOG. Uh, and the only game I had on it for 
a long time was Mario Kart uh, for the DS. Uh, until one one Christmas, my mom gave me a pre-owned copy of Pokemon Emerald, and that would have been my first Pokemon game. Oh, wow. I've, I've been an addict ever since. Uh, <laughs> at some point, I got into uh, Kingdom Hearts. I played those all out of order. Oh, God. Well, no, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to get into drama with the friggin' Kingdom Hearts fandom. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I, I mean, if you want me to come back later and we can talk specifically about Kingdom Hearts, I'd be happy to do so. But Please do. I need someone to explain this to me. Uh, the best way to explain Kingdom Hearts is that it's not a game. So, Like, the plot is not so much a game as it is, like, thinking of it as one solid game is unhelpful, but thinking of it in terms of a episodic TV show... Uh, it'll get you a lot closer to understanding what's going on. Because there's this big convoluted overarching plot, right? But every individual beat is a very simplistic episodic story. Huh. So, like, if you approach it from that from that perspective, understanding Kingdom Hearts is very easy. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> no, we're here to talk about a winter-themed game. And as far as I know, Kingdom Hearts doesn't entirely take place during the winter. Now, nah, the latest game went to to Frozen, but that's that's about it. Didn't they have Tron for one of the worlds in one of the games? Yes, Kingdom Hearts 2, still the best one in the series. Of course, it's got Tron in it. I mean, that's not why, but yes. I'm a I'm a diehard Tron Legacy fan. So, understandable. I uh want to talk about some of the stats for the game. Uh Bonchorov Blood and Snow, which is what we will be talking about today. Or known simply as Goncharov. It's uh, an early and often forgotten Doom clone, or that's the common misconception at least. Doom actually came out three years afterwards, on December 10th, 1993. Uh, Goncharov came out in late 1994 for MS-DOS exclusively. Uh, copies of the physical release of the game are a high-ticket item as of late due to the resurgence in the popularity of Goncharov. Going anywhere from 100 to 500 US dollars on eBay. Ouch. Unfortunately, there's no real concrete metric as to how well the game sold, though we do know it was a financial and critical flop. Though it did gain a small community of people trying to mod the game into an at least adequate playable state. On a more positive note, you can get the game uh, for free as freeware on sites such as dosgames.com, uh, dosgamesarchive.com, or even myabandonware.com. So if you want to get into modding games that came out about 32 years ago, you can. Uh, I apologize for the lack of hard stats this episode. It just seems like it's all vanished out of thin air. <laughs> I will say the common consensus on copies sold is about 20,000. Oh, really? That's a higher estimate than I uh, had always thought. I'll be honest. I didn't even know it even sold that much as well. <laughs> Uh, Gonshorov uh, Blood and Snow is an early first-person shooter created by now-defunct game studio Team JWHJ0715, try saying that three times fast, who was tasked to create adaptations of Gonshorov and other works by co-writer Mateo JWHJ0715. The game itself did a cheeky workaround, as took place before the titular character Gonshorov played by uh, Robert De Niro, 
uh, fled Russia for Italy. Uh, you go from level to level, shooting enemies with rather rudimentary models of iconic weapons shown in the movie. And although the game has little to no spoken dialogue, the game did manage to snag both Robert De Niro, who plays Konjarov, to do some damage grunts for the game, as well as a cheeky audio cameo from famed cinephile and co-writer of the film Martin Scorsese to voice some of the death grunts and groans for the endless cannon fodder in the game. His only appearance in the medium outside of the canceled Taxi Driver game, like Doom that came out after it, uh, it does have weapon and health pickups, but because of the snowy environment of the entire game, they would often blend in with the white abyss of Russia seen in both the game and the film. With all that out of the way, let's get to the Metacritic scores. Gonchorov Blood and Snow doesn't have any critic reviews on Metacritic, but it does have a small amount of user reviews, placing the game at an average of 4.5 out of 10 from six user reviews. Uh, Joel, what would your personal rating be of Gonchorov Blood and Snow and why? Personally, I would rate it at about a 4 out of 5, which I guess technically would be an 8. But my review is taking into consideration the time it was released in, which again is before even Wolfenstein 3D came out. So the fact that they pulled this off on, on like the same kind of software and hardware two years before the good ones that everyone knows pretty pretty impressive feat and also i have installed some mods that allowed me to play the game on my uh mayflash arcade fight stick um and it's such an improved experience i really just wish they had released the game as an arcade machine to begin with yeah honestly i think that would have been a better option i've uh i've seen a flash rendition of of uh, one of the levels on uh newgrounds once i think i played it once or twice it wasn't terrible but there's definitely way better out there i mean i think that was with mods i think it said so in the description it really would have like but that's what that's what my play experience is based on i never even tried touching it with a keyboard and mouse like when i got the game i i downloaded it i immediately installed that mod and i also kind of don't like that they altered some some key relationships like as you know like most of the italian mafia characters wouldn't have been there yet it would have just been uh Goncharov and his wife i i can never remember her name katya i think i think so it's been a while since i've seen the film they uh make their relationship seem a lot more rock solid by the end of the game than it is at the start of the movie <laughs> so like uh, i don't know it's a little bit of history rewriting i guess some some wish fulfillment on the be on the part of the game developers um I, I don't know exactly what the plan was there so you're saying they should have just changed the title to Gonsharov blood and fan fiction i mean i wouldn't go i don't know like it's a fitting name considering how much blood ends up in the snow but i mean it is a good title i will give them that yeah change the game to live up to expectations though nah really doesn't but yeah, that's the only reason I knock off a few points. Like, I probably wouldn't rate it as high if the game came out today. But like, you know, based on the fact that I played with the, the improved user experience on the arcade stick and taking into account that they pulled this off two, what, two, three years before Wolfenstein did? That is, or not Wolfenstein, Doom. Only a year or so before Wolfenstein, then a, three years before Doom. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Regardless of what you think of the game, it's 
a technological marvel they were able to pull this off in the first place. Mm-hmm. I know this is a gaming podcast, but I want to ask you a few questions about the movie first before we uh, go any further. Did you ever watch the movie, or was this your first experience with uh, Von Shadow? It was honestly my first experience. I didn't know it was also a movie until I saw people just talking about it nonstop on Tumblr, starting like at the beginning of the month. Yeah, I think I'd uh, only seen the movie once when I was a kid. That's because my dad was like, hey, let's let's watch this movie. Uh, I watched it when I was a kid. You're going to watch it too. Sit down. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's got good actors. It's, 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 it's a good movie. <laughs> I mean, you got Robert De Niro as the lead character. It's going to be a good movie. And it's got the legendary Al Pacino as well. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Like, I'm, I'm amazed I never made the connection that it was based on a film just based on the credits at the beginning of the game being, uh, you know, one one Mateo uh, JWHJ0715. Uh, Do you have a favorite Martin Scorsese film? Honestly, aside from Goncharov, I'm not sure I could name one off the top of my head. No, no that's not true. I could tell you about Wolf of Wall Street, but I've never seen it. I don't think I've seen any other Scorsese films outside of Gordon Shutoff, and I think it's only because this was probably the tamest one out of his whole filmography. I'd believe that. And that's saying something? For what I know about Wolf of Wall Street, I would believe that uh, Goncharov would be much more tame. And it's not even that tame. Especially for a 1973 film. Wait, how old would you have been? Well, I was born in 99. I think around 08. Not that, uh, not that old. It's still, like, I, I agree. Like, from what I know about it now, it still seems like probably one of his more tame movies, but it's still an R-rated movie. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up on stuff like The Transporter and, uh, stuff like that. So I've, I, I was used to the violence and stuff. I'm just glad they took out the uh, that cut uh, Russian mafia torture scene because I think that would have scarred me. Uh, not made for TV, some things. I think outside of that, the only Martin Scorsese adjacent thing I've seen is uh, The Joker. Uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, adjacent, all right. Hey, I like the movie. I think it's a, I think it's good. You know, I haven't seen it. I can't really judge too harshly. I say just watch it just for uh, Joaquin Phoenix's uh, performance just in general you know one of these days i probably will i couldn't tell you which one though do you know about the uh rumors and allegations and controversy that happened along with this film between uh mateo and uh, martin scorsese not super in depth i guess um i i'm aware there was some some friction i guess but like credit wise martin scorsese is only like a presenter so like he was funding and consultation on this uh and promotion yeah but also on the other hand there was also reports that he not only co-wrote the movie but also apparently took over the entire uh film production but there's also conflicted stuff that says that oh no it was equal footing type of thing and there's some that say that it was just uh that it was just Matteo that did all the uh, all the writing and directing and stuff. And I want to know, what do you think of uh, all those rumors and stuff that's all, I'm going to say legally, allegedly, okay, just, just so I can save my ass some legal trouble? I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to say. Like, I would want to hear, because uh, Matteo, uh, 
Mateo is the one who is kind of faded into obscurity while everyone still knows uh, Scorsese. So, like, if he's even still alive, I would want to hear it from him, like, what his perspective was and that's probably what i would believe the most yeah very true i i don't don't really have a foot in this race so i think until i have both sides heard i wouldn't really know where to begin in terms of a uh, proper opinion on this whole controversy now uh let's get into the game itself gonshorov blood and snow i keep wanting to say blood and sand but uh no that's a that's a 50 cent video game instead Yep, no, this is uh this ha- does not feature 50 cents as far as I know. Now let's get to Goncharov. Uh what got you to play the game? Was it the film itself, the cover art, the something else? I know we kind of already discussed this a little bit with the previous question, but uh it doesn't help to get a bit, little bit more in depth on it, you know. I do not remember for the life of me exactly how I heard about this game. Uh all I know is that the reason I played it is because December 2020, I received a Mayflash fight stick as a Christmas present. And in in the process of looking up games that were good to play on it, aside from, you know, the obvious answer, fighting games, uh, I saw people talking about, like, remapping this old predecessor to Doom to arcade sticks. And so I, I looked it up, installed the mod, got the... Uh, the macro thing working, and I played the game that way. And I was in the middle of working on my college capstone thing while that whole deal was going on. It's almost like this game just came out of thin air. Kinda, yeah. I guess is one way to think about it. So you pretty much got it from uh, uh, just looking on forums and stuff, trying to look for other games to play outside of uh, fighting games with the arcade stick? Yeah, I assume I googled it, got directed to some Reddit posts, because, you know, that's how everything works these days. Uh, yep. And then went from there. What sort of an impact did the game have on you, if at all? If it didn't, is there anything you wish it could have done better to make it have a an actual lasting impact on you? Like I said earlier, it's kind of disappointing that they sort of rewrote uh, Goncharov and Katya's relationship to be a little more positive like they started off where you would expect them to start off based on you know how Goncharov the movie went but like by the end they seemed like a solid couple which is not how that should go and I don't know I you know how video games tend to go like you get a heterosexual cis male dominated field especially in the 90s and so you probably had a studio of guys who were just like this should be more heteronormative. Yeah, the the most I can really say about it is just, it was the 90s. It wasn't really the best place for this kind of stuff. Hell, I, it, I'm pretty sure they didn't cut any of that, uh, any of the homoeroticism out of the film because it was a Martin Scorsese film. Yeah, you don't, you don't edit Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese does the editing, not the other way around. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't even make sense. Who cares? It's Martin Scorsese. People trust him for some reason. We gotta give we gotta give him credit, even though we're not as familiar with his film works. That's kind of the deal. The the impact that it had on me is like I I was blown away by the fact that it existed, uh, at the point in time it existed, but it also from a today perspective 
was not that impressive to play. Like it played better than it, it played better than it did when it first came out because I played it on an arcade stick uh, instead of a just the keyboard. Like it wasn't even keyboard and mouse because not every DOS computer even had a mouse, uh, so it was just the keyboard. <laughs> Yeah, it's like getting served slightly less spoiled milk that just recently turned bad than spoiled milk that's been bad for 30 years. One's going to be a lot worse going down than the other. <laughs> All right, well, on to one of the final parts of the interview. Here on Checkpoint, we like to cap off the interview with a 30-second pitch on the game at hand. So, Joel, now that we've gotten all we could out of Goncharov, let the audience know why they should grab this game, starting now. So Thirty seconds. Okay. Um. So if the, these days, like, I think the fact that you all know about the meme movie of Goncharov, or at least the movie memes, I should I should say, that alone should be enough of a reason for you to check this out. But at the same time, like, Ten seconds. I, I understand if you are into modding and you have. And you have an arcade fight stick. You should four, definitely check out three, uh, Goncharov's two, Adventures one. going away from Russia. Like, it's an escape from Russia. You gotta play it. I'll be honest, not the uh, not the worst one I've heard, uh, both in terms of uh, stuff that I've done off-air and on-air. Honestly, really impressed with the pitch. Thanks. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Uh, thank you, Joel. That's a wrap on today's episode of Checkpoints. And the first part of the Checkpoints Holiday Special. Thank you for taking time out of your day to sit down and do this interview with me and talk about one of your favorite games. Especially with all the technical difficulties we've had that's been worse than both the test pilot and the real pilot. You're welcome back anytime if you want to do another episode in the future. I want to do that Kingdom Hearts episode. Yeah, you could get me to come on and talk about Kingdom Hearts Re-Chain of Memories, the first Kingdom Hearts game I played. I don't even know where to begin with that. That, that just sounded like a bundle of words that someone picked out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's not much better for that to be the first game you play in the series. I think one of the only things I know about Kingdom Hearts is that it's a Final Fantasy Disney crossover. That's just a taste of a future episode. Before we do any plugs and bring today's episode to a close, we do have one audience question about Koncharov. Friend of the show, fellow podcaster, and member of the Scavengers Network, Morgan Lage, brings this question to the table. I was always super bummed that Sophia simply wasn't in the game, but I just found out recently that there was a mod or cheat code or something that let you play as her is this real i didn't know mods were a thing back then uh back when that thing came out anything you can uh get some light on the situation okay so it's technically true it's not a mod it's kind of a cheat code situation uh basically once you beat the game it will give you some random uh code and there's no obvious place to put it in, but if you type that in while you're on the start menu and then hit new game, when you're, the, like, everything plays the same, but when you do the levels, like, instead of having the character portrait of Goncharov on the UI, it will have the character portrait of a different uh, character from the movie. Not necessarily one who is even in the game, because, again, the game's a prequel, 
most of the characters like Sophia were introduced after they got to Italy. Uh, but yes, you could get a Sophia ser- character portrait, and they did have some generic like uh, voice actor do like a generic uh, female uh, uh, pain death grunt for her and for uh, crap. I again, I keep forgetting uh, the wife's name. It's Katya, right? Katya, yes, it's Katya. Okay. Um. There was one for Katya as well. There was one for Ice Pick Joe. That was my favorite. Oh, wait. They had Ice Pick Joe? Oh, Ice Pick Joe's was special. He was one of the last uh, codes that you could get. They were supposed to be random, but that one was like, uh, like it it was a delayed RNG thing. So like it wouldn't tell you that code until you'd beaten it a few times. Uh, but yes, you could get the code for Ice Pick Joe. These days you could go look that up online. They're... It's the same code for every game, so you, it's it you. Oh wow! Yeah, so you could just go with Ice Pick Joe, but the cool thing about him is he's the only one that you would load in with like a melee weapon. Which yes, it's it's the Ice Pick. It was you. <laughs> yes. It was useless, uh, because <laughs> because the game was not designed with that in mind. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just have him like throw the ice pick and just get like an infinite amount of ice picks coming out of them or something that would have been so much better instead of just oh oh no i lost almost all of my health and i just killed one enemy oh i'm dead now bye yeah that's exactly how it was Uh, but it was funny yeah i think i've seen a few uh youtube videos in my recommended feed about a a ice pick joe only runs of uh gonshorov blood and snow oh yeah there's one guy i think exactly one guy who has beaten the game, keyboard and mouse, only the ice pick. Oh my god. No other guns. Oh, that's insane. I thought that wasn't possible. I didn't think it was either. I'm honestly not sure how he did it. That's that's some S-tier gaming right there. Like, for real. For real. I wish I knew the guy's name. I would plug him right here for you. Yeah, I'll see if I can find him. If I can't, I apologize. Maybe we'll, maybe they'll, uh, they'll see the episode and be like, hey... Uh, I put a five-star review, and also, I'm the guy. That would be incredible. Speaking of which, leave a five-star review, please. (laughs) Thank you, Morgan, for the question. If you would like to send in a question about today's episode, a previous episode, or just to simply talk about your favorite video game, go ahead and send an email to checkpointpodcasttm. That's one T for podcast, one T for TM, at gmail.com. Joel, where can we find you right now, and what are you working on right now? Well, technically, I'm kind of working on a game, but the game exists as a two-page Google document and a barely edited Unreal template, so it's... Yeah, I mean, it's literally at that point. It's super duper early on. You probably won't even see me talking about, like, progress online for a few months. Uh, Of course, in the meantime, you can always find me at the uh, podcast I mentioned near the beginning, which is how to create a literal cat in your favorite RPG. The character creation podcast where we put cats in games that aren't supposed to have cats in them. Yeah, when I heard the the premise for this, uh, back when you guys were still trying to work out the kinks, and I think only had, like, what, not even an episode, I think. Uh, when Austin and I started recording, and when you became aware of it, like, the only thing that existed was the pilot I did with a, a friend of mine. <laughs> like, a, a totally different guy who was not interested in, like, 
you know, being a full-time co-host. He just wanted to come on and talk about D&D 5th Edition. I mean, fair enough. Yeah, I guess. There's a reason why that one's pretty popular, although it is the most recent edition of D&D. So, yeah, yeah folks, if uh, for some reason you haven't listened to this podcast, I implore you, please do. It's insane. Like I said, we've done that one. Uh, we, we did uh, the one that just came out. Like at the time we're talking about this is the one page one shot lightning round, which is we took 10 micro RPGs and put cats in them. <laughs> Just work through them as quick as possible because the character creation was done in like two minutes each. If you ever do a sequel to that episode, uh, may I, I got to recommend uh, two one page RPGs. One of them being uh, this Paul Blart RPG made by a friend of the show, Ty, from a side character quest, and a Mastodon RPG based around the uh, social media startup, uh, Mastodon. Uh, well, add them to the list. I I, uh, I know I didn't get around to uh, four Sherlock Holmes and a vampire uh, in time for that one, so that that's one that I know we got to do. Well, hey, now you got some more. <laughs> anyway, so when is this coming out? Uh, I'm thinking I'm putting it out on the 9th of December, so not this Friday, but the next Friday. Okay, yeah, that will still be the most recent episode by that time. Do you have any social media that you want to plug before we move on? I mean, you could follow me on Twitter if you still use it, but I'm not there anymore. Not as much. I'm more on Tumblr now because it's got the Ask Me Anything button and the better posting options. My username on everything is just my full name spelled backwards, which is a pain to spell out and also hard to pronounce. So what you can do to find all that is go to jholland.start.page. I'll uh, make sure to get that uh, link in the episode description, so don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. We had a lot of fun here at Checkpoint today, talking about everyone's favorite fake game based on an equally fake movie. And although both the game and movie are fake, a group of people are doing a Goncharov game jam on, I believe it is December 6th. I looked on the website, but it, but it says December 4th. I'm still a bit confused on that because I thought I saw somewhere else that it was December 6th. Regardless, it's, it's uh, sometime next week. All I know is that it's going to be before the episode comes out on the 9th. For those who don't know what a game jam is, it's a whole bunch of different uh, game developers uh, make uh, video games in a short amount of time based on a certain topic, right? It's been a while since I've done anything or seen anything with game jams. So Sort of. Sometimes. I've done a few. Sometimes game jams are contests, like the Ludum Dare game jam. That's kind of like a global contest held twice a year. Uh, uh, the global game jam, that's a big collaborative event. And then you've got all kinds of other very specific game jams like this one. So basically the premise is you have, you get your, your prompt on what kind of game you're supposed to make. Sometimes it's as simple as like, uh, there was a global game jam where I had a one word prompt of repair. That was, I think, 2019, um, maybe 2020. You know, I don't remember anymore. It was that long ago. Um, but that was that was all we got was the word repair. And then we had the weekend to make a game. Uh, these days, global game jam is a little bit longer. Uh, they released the prompt earlier uh, because people are not just doing them from sites anymore, but working from home on them uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, pandemic made things shift a little bit. The uh, Konshorov Game Jam is 
being organized by Autumn Chen. Uh, their, their Twitter is redautumn666. And uh, you can find more information about these fan-made games and I believe where you can play them at itch.io slash jam slash goncharov dash game dash jam. A link to the site can be found in the show notes. Uh, the music you hear at the beginning and end of the episode and where I got the name of the podcast from is 34 Seconds to Go by Offworld, a.k.a. Josh Turnipseed. You can find the show on Twitter for as long as the site is active at CheckpointPod1, a newly made Tumblr blog known simply as Checkpoint Podcast, no spaces between the words, and you can send in questions or comments about the show to Checkpoint Podcast TM, one T for podcast, one T for TM at gmail.com. I want to try getting in some questions before recording starts for whoever guest I have on that week for some sort of mailbag. And I'll be posting who the guest is and what game we're talking about on both Twitter and Tumblr. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, it'll also be on there as well. Please do not find me on Facebook unless I've added you. Like I've said earlier, Twitter will be dubious since it seems to be sinking like the Titanic, but much slower. Uh, but until it's completely gone, I'm still going to use it to spread the word on the show. Please leave a five-star review wherever you can, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you can give a rating. Go ahead and share your favorite video games when you leave that review, or put whatever else you want people to see. And uh, for those who have seen the posts about this episode, the Gonshurov poster uh, for the movie is by uh, Beals. Uh, their Twitter is Beelzebub-esque. That's Beelzebub, B-E-L-Z-E-B-U-B-E-S-Q-U-E. I'll also have a uh, link to that in the episode description as well, unless I forget. If not, someone let me know, and I will and I will rectify that immediately. Joel, any last words before I send us out? They'll never take me alive. <laughs> I'm George Diaz. That's Joel Holland, and this is Checkpoint. <laughs>